I'm just going on a lot of different tangents now, but that's another thing Daniel Quinn talks about is that the narrative that civilization that humans are inherently doomed to failure is used to justify why civilization has all of its flaws. War, horrible genocide, mental illness, crime, corruption, everything wrong with civilization is put under the umbrella of humans are inherently doomed to failure. And so that is why civilization, when it sees native societies and when it sees you trying to, you know, show how they are good, it says, no, you are idealizing them, you are making them utopic. And it's because native societies aren't, it's not just because native societies are threatening to civilization, it's because specifically they are threatening to the myth that humans are inherently flawed. Also, I think to, yeah. But it's what? No, that also to accept, you know, to, to even entertain the idea that they're, oh, not utopic is to accept that, you know, this is a living hell. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it isn't just, it isn't just life on earth that is encapsulated within the culture of civilization. This is why I fucking hate Descartes. Because he caused this. <laughs> well, I mean he didn't he didn't cause it single handed. He was he was the expression of culture. Hate Descartes. He was he, I do. No, he fair. was the expression of culture that caused our current culture. He he is he's basically the um the stepping stone from that version of culture to our modern version of culture. You made math a lot easier, so Fuck I, I give him a pass. Alright, fine, whatever. <laughs> but what I was saying, what were we talking about? Fuck, I got lost. Um, no, no, okay, okay. Living hell. Yeah, living yeah. hell. Life on Earth. Mm -hmm. Culture isn't secluded. Culture in, in civilization's culture and what it describes doesn't limit itself to life on Earth. Through Descartes, it established the existential philosophy that existence is a fluke. It is a random occurrence that biological life just happened to appear in the universe for no particular How? reason at all. I don't understand. No, no, hold up. Okay. He didn't say that in particular, right. but it's all part of the same narrative. Right, right. So, um, that it, that it all happened to... They just happened to appear, yeah. and um, and that nothing is truly alive. Yes. Nothing in the universe is truly alive, and what is truly alive, this will attribute to Hobbes, is hostile to you. Everything that is living that isn't civilized is hostile to you and wants to kill you. This will also attribute to Darwin's survival of the fittest. They took survival of the fittest from him, which he mentioned twice, and they didn't take the 96 times he described nature using the word love. Did he? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Um, you know, because, because it serves capitalism. Right. Um, So yeah, they didn't, so basically everything is either dead or hostile to you. Essentially, this all boils down to the myth that we, that we live in a universe that is meaningless, that is cold, and 
that is out to kill you. And that is, that is our cultural myth. That is, our, that is the myth of our cultural consciousness. That is what everyone, one way or another, inherently believes. And, you know, if they don't, they're in the minority and they're defying the culture and it doesn't fucking matter. Um, and, yeah, that's... I won't... I actually, I can't contribute it solely to the card because, yeah, there was a lot of different thinkers that made that up bit by bit. I hate Plato, I mean. It's fucking Plato. I, yeah, I fucking hate Plato. Yeah, you know, Descartes was trying to explain Plato. Was he? Yeah, he was trying to... Um, reformulate Plato's like heaven of ideals in in like a I guess a a um, rejuvenated sort of revive re yeah he was trying to revive and reformulate it and he, mm -hmm. he succeeded very much yeah like the, the heaven of ideals dude you should totally read my paper just for that I get into um I basically equate the heaven of ideals to the mindscape and this sort of void of abstraction that the rational mind operates in. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I just like that conceptualization a lot. But that's a different topic. Um, essentially, yeah, Descartes, Hobbes, Darwin unintentionally, and the culture as a whole constructed this and I can send you another article on this that explains a lot better than I am. Um, but they constructed this vacillation of the universe. Um, What's a vacillation? Like emptying. Oh. I don't think that's an actual word, but whatever. Um, and it led to three primary things. And I'm forgetting exactly what they were in order, but I'm going to try and think about it real quick okay yeah, yeah so i remember the first one is that because of the fact that we have no biophilia we have no animism we don't recognize the universe as being alive mm -hmm. and because of the cartesian split which is the idea that mind is separate from body and as a reflection of this humanity is separate from nature and the two should be as separated as possible we have that's not even that's plato well, yeah, you know, Descartes played off Plato, but okay. Descartes imbued it much more into... He re-imbued it, if anything, or multiplied it into the cultural consciousness. Okay. Um, but it's it's called the Cartesian split. It's like a... Is it? Yeah, it's a thing. Okay. Um, but um, um, because of all this, humanity and every Not humanity. I won't say humanity at all, because it's it's kind of fucked to attribute all of to to say that civilization defines humanity like native cultures didn't don't believe any of this shit so yeah civilization and civilized humans because of the cartesian split and this vacillation of the universe and the idea that the universe is dead and there is no spirit in any of it um is basically left thinking that they are alone they are completely alone mm -hmm. in the universe, uh, not even with animals, because animals aren't allowed to be alive. They, human beings, are completely alone within the universe, and solipsism is only an extension of this. I, the ego, the me, am completely alone within the universe. Not even other humans, just me. 
which it, it really goes to show how civilization culture is completely down to its roots, ego culture. It is the othering of the inanimate universe, you know, animate natural objects, um, plants, animals, microorganisms, other races, race being a construction used to other, um, women, also construction used to other, um, disabled people, elderly people, everyone that is an oppressed group within society has been othered because othering is the natural tendency of ego culture, of civilization culture, and all of this eventually, or not eventually, but naturally, um, also expressed itself as solipsism, the othering of literally everything, period. The othering of everything in existence, you know? I don't understand, like, I guess this is a problem with science, and also it has been for centuries, but, like, how did, how did the search for truth, like, dictate, like, all reason, like, thereafter, um... What do you mean? Or dictate like the... the Enlightenment search for truth? I guess so, but because even before that, even, I... even from Plato's time, like... Dictate all of what? Like, all, like, after, after... Upon every, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's a dumb thought, but like upon every, upon every step in philosophy, you know, upon every... Like, that's how the culture and the science was dictated after the step? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's no... I know. think, I wouldn't say it's causational. I say... It I goes, say it's, it's linear is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't branch out, ever. Like, not, not, not majorly. I mean, it does, absolutely, but like, you know what I'm saying, like... Linear, what do you mean? As in, like, you go from one step to the other, you don't go from one step, and then maybe you go back a bit and fucking, like, re you know, like... Well, okay. Question every... No, well, you I do sometimes, and that's no, revolutionary. No, no. But, you know, that's not what tends to happen. Though. Yeah. No, um... I, I totally get what you're saying. So, I, I'll, I'll take this step by step. So, for one, just to clarify, I don't think... I think philosophy was only semi-causational in causing the subsequent culture and science and defining subsequent culture and science. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that the subsequent culture and science was affected by the ripples and waves that that philosophy like sent through it. But I also think they're all part of the same culture and they all evolved in the same direction not independently of each other, right. but in interconnected with each other. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they're all expressions of the same thing. Right, right, right. Um, in that same vein, the culture progressed naturally. Like, for example, the step from Plato and from Christianity to enlightenment is a natural step of civilization culture of ego culture because e in essence all it is is separation from nature and by nature i don't mean life i mean existence existence the universe all of the natural world nature all of those are synonymous and civilization culture's existential approach is domination of nature and to dominate nature you must other nature and so you do that by separating yourself from nature by creating as wide a gap as possible from yourself to nature 
I see. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, and that, that also kind of skips ahead to the third thing I was going to talk about previously. I like, see, though. Like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, how solipsism is in itself, like, they're all, yeah, delusional they're all also. interconnected. They're yeah. all delusional. Yeah. Extremely delusional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all based on this inherent mistrust of nature. Right, right. And, you know, in skepticism's case, mistrust of experience, the physical world, the body, the carnal, like Christianity, you mm. know. Christianity mistrusted the carnal. Right. The same Hates way it. Plato hated the body, the same way Descartes hated the senses. Right. Um and contrarily native science there's a very interesting quote that i'm i'm going to try and paraphrase it roots the entire tree of knowledge in the soil of direct experience with the natural world it is all about it's about the opposite it's about direct touching of the natural world complete and utter trust in all of your naturally granted faculties and in all of the natural world in all of the external existence and to even call it external existence this is what i was talking about with, with like the other day perception blending into reality to even call it external the external world external reality is to other it there is no external world mm. we're all part of the continuum my perception of it is part of that same continuum just the way like my dreams and my thoughts are just as much part of reality and existence and nature as everything else is, as like the tree is. Like they are just animal expressions of my natural intelligence. Right. Perception is an animal expression of my natural intelligence. So is dreaming. So is intuition. They're all part of that same creative intelligence that is the lifeblood of the universe, you know? Right, right. If that makes more sense now than it did like an hour ago. Yeah. Um, and what you mentioned about, what we were talking about, about like how civilization does this because it needs to, to be able to dominate nature. That is, that is literally what the Enlightenment did. It was just a step in that direction by vacillating the spirituality and the animism from nature by saying that it is not alive you objectify it you turn it into something that can be processed and commodified that can be you know completely raped and put on the production line that can be most efficiently turned into all the fires of life for humanity, you know? Mm -hmm. And the second thing, which I skipped over to get to that third thing I just explained, the second consequence of the Cartesian split, um, the first one was, of course, the um, us feeling stranded in the universe, us feeling like we are alone, feeling um, basically disconnected from our mother, which is the universe itself. We are children of the universe. Um, but no, the second thing is epistemology. It is, and it ties into what you were saying about the rock, the grandfather. Yeah. Um, native sciences consider 
basically that everything in nature, every little thing, um, not only other humans, but trees and animals and rocks and mountains mm -hmm. all offer us something. They all teach us something because they are all different, extremely complex expressions of the same underlying creative intelligence. Like, this is a, an oversimplification, but like the rigidity of a rock is an expression of the creative intelligence of the universe and has something to teach us about existence. The same way a tree, the way it grows and the way it changes with the seasons and the way deers act and bears act and other human beings, everything in rivers and mountains and clouds and the sky and stars and, you know, everything has a different thing to teach us in that they are all different expressions of the creative intelligence of the universe. Um, so essentially what I'm saying is native science saw nature as a teacher. Let's juxtapose that with the enlightenment, which in vacillating the universe, in objectifying the universe, and this is another interesting thing. I'm getting all of this from this one article that is another thing I'd love for you to read. Um, and it talks about how Mother Nature is both gendered and racialized when juxtaposed against humanity. Okay. Um, but, but just to extend this um, gendered notion, which connects to what she called the rape-murder dynamic of us with nature, is that we view, not we, enlightenment and civilization views rationality as a masculine probing device for which to probe the um, both fertile and virginal is the way civilization constructs nature. The fertile and virginal nature. Nature is the object that is to be dominated by rationality, that is to be penetrated and, in more literal terms, dissected by science, by Western science. It's to be taken apart. It is, it is no longer a teacher. It is an object of study, and it is an object of study that we are completely separate for, from. Native science not only sees it as a teacher, it sees us as a part of nature, as a part of that continuum, and it sees the gaining of knowledge through nature as done in interaction with nature. You can't gain knowledge as like a unbiased or separate spectator. It's impossible. Native science recognizes that. It recognizes subjectivity of knowledge and how in interacting with nature and trying to gain knowledge from it. You do it through experience with it, through touching with it, through touching it, through in relationship with it. You change it and it changes you and that's how you come to know nature. Um, meanwhile, enlightenment sees it differently. Enlightenment sees it as nature is separate and isolated from us and we are going to view it objectively because that's somehow possible in the eyes of the Enlightenment. Um, and we're going to probe it and it's going to be an object of our study and we can learn nothing from it 
as a teacher, we can only learn from it as an object of study. It's not even like, like that's such a downgrade. It, it, it's not like from teacher to student, it's from teacher to object of study. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's it.